Hey, welcome everyone to the Reflux Blue Show. I'm your host, Donovan Beery, and I have with me from the United Kingdom, Owen Davey. Owen, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm not bad. I've got a little bit of a cold. It's not COVID. I got myself che- checked and tested, and it's not COVID, but I've got a bit of a cold, so my voice might be a bit dodgy. You know, it's a little weird because I've I've talked to other people that have had that have been sick or whatever, and and because of this year, you forget that there are other flus and other things that yeah. aren't necessarily COVID. You just automatically assume that's what you have. Well, I think you have to assume that so that you go get yourself checked out and make sure you don't pass it on. But I mean, I was fairly sure I didn't, but I, you know, got to do the responsible thing and everything. So how are you doing anyway? Not too bad. And and we're, I don't necessarily have a cold, but I'm very cold here. I think we were discussing right before this started <laughs> that for those, for those not in the fantastic state of Nebraska here in the United States, um, we got like 12 inches of snow dumped on us within the last 24 hours, which which there, if if you visit here in the winter, it's not uncommon. I think I was mentioning that there'd be that much snow on the ground, but to get this much snow in one day, they say is like ten or fifteen years, kind of thing. It's it's not. This doesn't happen on a regular basis here. That sounds great. I love snow. I'm a bit jealous, but maybe it's not as uh, delightful when you're actually in it. I don't know. It's it's not. But uh, the thing is, is is I guess I decided. I said, well, I guess I'll just work from home today. Like I'm not going to go into the office. And and granted because of because of the covid we've been working from i've been working from home almost all the time anyway although yeah. i will go into the office one or i have been going into the office like one or two days a week but i'm the only one there so oh, okay I, nice. I think it's more of a change of pace i don't know if you ever get yeah. that i mean i mean no 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 Owen, you're 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 a well-known illustrator in the united kingdom what what part of what part are are you in there like uh, I'm, uh, and, and you're going to tell me this and I'm, i don't know enough to even notice but but <laughs> for the audience that actually knows this would be helpful. Uh, it's Worthing, which is down on the south coast. So you might have heard of Brighton. Yes. Of Brighton? Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, like half an hour's drive along the seafront from Brighton. So it's a small little place that basically all of the creatives that can't afford to buy a house in Brighton and have got little kids or whatever all seem to move to Worthing. So there's a nice little creative community here. That's great. I've been here for a couple of years now. So one year was delightful and one year has been slightly um, strange, but it's still a lovely place to be because I'm by the coast and beach walks and all that jazz. It's great. Wow. Well, for if you're not familiar with Nebraska, we are nowhere near any coast. I think <laughs> there's even a map that shows we are at least three. There's like at least a three state buffer in every single direction before wow. you hit a coast. And I think we're the only place in the United States that has like that large of a buffer from a coast. So, so how many hours would it take you to get to? A coast, you know. Let me see. Uh, I mean, probably fifteen. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the, I guess. The scale I guess. Of the US still blows my mind. <laughs> I I guess it depends on what you consider a coast. I guess you could get to like uh, Lake Michigan, where Chicago is, which which feels like a coast in in like um, eight or nine hours. Okay. I mean, that's, that's, that's still a long way. You get most of the UK done in that time. So. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're we're like pretty close to dead center in the middle. And I mean, they, they call us flyover country. Uh, I don't know if they say that. I, I don't think it's used as a good thing. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Well, if you enjoy it, that's all that all matters, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's not bad. So it would be nice to have a coast. We just, I mean, we have a river, obviously, but we there's no coast. I mean, I, I lived in Leicester in the UK, which is kind of the center of uh, England and I think that's about three three and a half hours maybe from the nearest coast and that was too much for me I, i've always kind of lived close to the sea and I, I don't think i could i don't think nebraska is for me 
sadly. <laughs> sadly, sadly, that is also our tourism statement. It, it I think it's, it says it literally is our tourism statement. It's honestly, it's not for everyone. And <laughs> is, is it genuinely actually your tourism statement? It is, it is our tour. No, they, it, they announced it last year. It is our tourism statement. That's amazing. Yeah. Now That's it was superb. not, it was not created by someone in Nebraska from what I understand. Either. <laughs> I wondered whether it might be like a, um, like a Marmite thing. Is, does that translate? Is, is Marmite a thing in the US? I've, I've heard of it, but it's, we don't use it. I don't use it here per se. Oh, uh, it's, it's like a, I mean, it sounds awful when you describe what it is. It's some kind of yeast extract thing that you put on toast. But it, like its whole marketing campaign is that you either love it or you hate it. And so some people are absolutely crazy for it and other people just just detest it. Myself, I sit in the, that's eh, fine. <laughs> so I kind of totally blow that, that marketing campaign out of the water. But most people either love it or hate it or hate it. Oh, man. Well, well, I guess what we wanted to talk to you about was what got you into illustration? Like, like Hannah, 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 um, our, our intern, she, unfortunately, somehow there's technical issues and we assume it's based on the crazy amount of snow. I mean, yeah. So, but, but she did have a couple questions. And the first thing she wanted to know is because she's, she's actually still in school and will be graduating here, here in the spring. She wanted to know like, nice. what, it, what, it, what got you, like, how do you become like a full-time illustrator? What's, what's kind of the step that got you into it? Obviously a massive um, amount of talent. And for anyone, for anyone who wants to know, it's Owen Davey, D-A-V-E-Y.com to see your work. Yeah. I mean, well, in terms of like how I actually did it, it was kind of basically just sheer will. Uh, I mean, there's ob- obviously you've got to, you know, practice to get yourself up to the skill level that, that you're capable of doing it. But then as soon as I left, uh, uni or college in kind of US speak my kind of first thing I did was just start contacting clients and, and publishers and just anyone that might employ me to do that to do work and, and it was just kind of tenacity that that uh, meant that I started to get enough people responding to me and enough people thinking you know that I actually quite like that work maybe we've got something for him that you know over the past it's coming up to about 11 or 12 years now I think I've managed to kind of forge a little career for myself so yeah it's not it wasn't any kind of like magical thing necessarily it was just lots of repetition lots of emails lots of people completely ignoring your existence uh, and eventually it's sort of paying off i guess i guess there is something to that what do you what, i mean people just ignoring your existence i like i like the sound of that like <laughs> <laughs> i assume that that a lot of times is there is is do you was that because you were purposely trying to go for certain clients or were you just kind of blanket email sort of projects? Uh, neither actually. It was, it was, well, I suppose I was going for certain clients in terms of ones that I felt were relevant to me, but I quickly realized that the big companies that everyone wants to work for, you know, like if you're talking about newspapers, like the New York or New York times, those kind of things where everyone wants to have that on their list somewhere. Um, often, those ones weren't necessarily the most rewarding. I mean, sometimes they were, but they weren't always the most rewarding jobs. There was It was really quite difficult to get them because everyone wanted to do them. And sometimes, not all of those companies, but some of those companies would kind of rest on their laurels a little bit. And, you know, maybe they had some slightly dodgy terms in terms of uh, how much they could use your illustration or the payment wasn't so great or whatever. Um, and I quickly realised that actually weird things like small trade magazines on 
you know, Farmers Weekly or something could actually have some really interesting writers who perhaps, you know, were, were incredibly talented, but not necessarily getting the recognition that they deserved, writing some really interesting articles related to a topic that you wouldn't expect is relevant. But, you know, you can, in something to do with agriculture, you might be able to have information about um, immigration because it's so in, important in terms of, you know, who is picking the crops and things like that. I mean, the, all the awful Brexit stuff, you know, there's lots of issues because a lot of the agriculture relies on people being paid poorly and a lot of the people <laughs> that, want to, that are, are sort of able to take that on and, and uh, do that are kind of immigrants and stuff. So it's that you can get some interesting stuff coming through in these in these um, magazines that you wouldn't expect. So finding, trying not to be snobbish about any of that sort of stuff, I think is good. I think the other thing we always forget is, is you always think like, hey, you know, Google has a bunch of work, Apple has a bunch of work. But honestly, there's a lot more trade magazine work than there is because there's only one client. If you're looking like Google or Apple, that's two clients. And there are a lot of trade magazines you don't even think about. Yeah. 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 Well, well, the only thing actually with Google, it's slightly different because actually there's they're split into a bunch of different little things under the umbrella thing of Google. And it might be the same with Apple, but. But yeah, I've done a few things with Google and it's like working with a new team each time uh, and they're all, they're all kind of responsible for their own bits. But yeah, I mean, I love working for the big clients and I love working for the small clients and often you want a break from one to, to do the other one. And, you know, I like a bit of everything. I, I, I've never been uh, a big fan of being constrained by one specific niche in the illustration industry. I like drawing and that's kind of the fundamental thing. So uh, we'll be right back with Owen Davey. Thing I want to talk about, and and for those of you who haven't seen the Mandalorian season two, I guess where there's going to be spoilers here. I saw I saw your fan, and and the the show that we had the the season finale of season thirteen of our podcast, we talked all about ep- season two episode six and seven with the return of Boba Fett. Yeah, and then and then of course episode eight comes along, and we haven't discussed it on the show, the the return of Luke Skywalker. Yeah, how. I mean, I mean, is that is this a big deal over there too, or is this just a US? Well, it's, I think yeah. I mean, there's yeah, there's there's a lot of Star Wars nerds over here for sure, and quite a few friends that are kind of that way inclined. I I, I don't think the UK is very good at downplaying things. <laughs> we're not we're not particularly <coughs> sorry. We're not particularly great at sort of uh, always wearing our hearts on our sleeves and and you know shouting about things that are good and stuff, but. Yeah, there's a lot of people saying like, yeah, that was really cool. And that's kind of in, in UK speak, that's often like, that was amazing. And yeah, so it, it, is, it is a big thing, but not necessarily shouted about as much. That makes sense. Well, well I think over here, us Star Wars fans, you know, you, they're, they're ready for disappointment. Like that's what <laughs> we are. You know, we, we, I don't, you know, we've complained about everything since Empire Strikes Back. You know, everything that's come after that. So, so like Mandalorian comes along and there's not, it's like the first thing that we haven't been complaining about. Yeah. Well, there's, they've got so many great directors and John Favreau and Dave Filoni kind of heading it up is such a great combo because John Favreau's just done so many great movies and Dave Filoni just knows Star Wars like nobody else and has been involved in so many projects like Clone Wars and everything that they just, they've got that love of it. And then great storytelling. I mean, it feels, I can't help watching it and feeling like it's just episodes of D&D constantly. It's always 
got that kind of Dungeons and Dragons vibe, but I think in a really good way. So you've got these slow paced bits, you've got these character development bits and then stuff kicks off and you, you know, you have to roll to see if you, if you manage to shoot the spider or not, you know, it's, um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's ace. It's really good. I've been loving it, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit of a, I'm not a pretender because I've never pretended otherwise, but I, my parents gave me no culture growing up whatsoever. So I didn't watch my first Star Wars movie until I was about 21, 22. And so I'm super late to the whole like party. Uh, so actually some of the new ones I enjoy just as much as the old ones because I don't have that nostalgia. I don't have that like big grounding. I mean, I, I, I saw, yeah, I think, I think the first one I saw was actually um, Phantom Menace, but luckily I didn't take that as being um, what oh, Star sure. Wars about. And I, and I tried the other ones because that is, I, th- I think, the worst. You know, yeah, I, I, I still love the old ones and, and everything, but it's just interesting. I had someone that worked for me that he said that uh, Phantom Menace was the first one he saw, but he saw it when he was like 10. So he thought it was amazing. You right. Know, okay. So, yeah. So, but if, but if you're watching that for the first time at 21 and that's the, your introduction, it's probably not the best introduction. No, it wasn't. But then I, I mean, so the reason I started watching them is because uh, I had mates that were into them because they had parents that cared about film and, and stuff. So so they'd been introduced to them when they were young and, and they were like, no, you've, you've, you've got to watch these. You're a nerdo and you'll love these. So, so yeah, I did get into them and I, I, I do love the originals. Um, I'm not, um, there, there are elements of the, uh, the ones that, you know, the, the prequels that are enjoyable, but the, the originals are, are definitely superior. And actually I've been really enjoying the new ones. I thought Rogue One was superb. I really liked that kind of more like gritty kind of, you know, ground action thing and, and being, brave enough to kill off big characters and all that kind of stuff I thought was superb because you haven't seen that uh, too much in the Star Wars universe before that so yeah and 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 seeing um and also then seeing Bib Fortuna just die at the end of the Mandalorian season finale after the credits that was kind of also cool you're like wow yeah it just happened well that what I love watching the um the behind the scenes stuff as well and I hadn't uh, it's one of the um one of the guys on the crew I think plays him and he played it in phantom menace or something as well i think but yeah i just i love all those little details and the fact they've gone so much effort to recreate the 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 palace exactly as it was you know uh with all the like same kind of little details and yeah it's i think i think that the level of attention to detail is amazing i mean i i buy um these like uh the kind of the artwork books that come with each of the kind of star wars movies yeah I, I love looking at them and looking at all the like stuff that the props department have clearly like nerded out on something that no one will ever know in the film, but they, you know, they, they sort of shine light on those little things and really play around with that kind of world. Well, you knew like the minute he came down the staircase, you could just tell you're like, Oh, this is, this is Jabba's palace. Like even yeah. though, even though I guess they showed an exterior shot and stuff, but you can tell from the inside or not just the lighting, everything's the same. And yeah. I also like that the goal in in that on that planet is to just sit on the throne and get as fat as you can be. <laughs> yeah. That's the goal. So I assume yeah. this book of Boba is just going to be him sitting on the throne and just yeah. eating away and just running that planet. <laughs> no, I'm intrigued to see uh, the book of Boba Fett. I think that'd be cool. I, I've I've yeah I've absolutely loved Mandalorian. I, I haven't actually found out. Do- is there a new series that's coming of that as well? Or it's just a spin-off that they're doing for the book of Boba Fett, are they? Or from what I've gathered and 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 you know, obviously 
they don't tell you everything per se. And I have no inside connections whatsoever, but, but from what I've read online or something, I think it's going to be like a four episode thing. And then, and then, and then it'll kick into the next Mandalorian season. Nice. I see. I'm a big fan of miniseries. I think something that I think, I think a lot of uh, American shows actually have a tendency to do this where they like, they have like 22 episodes and it's like, there's just not enough content for that in one series. So you get a lot of padding. Whereas like these mini series that you tend to get at coming out of the US, like any kind of HBO show or whatever, they really nail that like, oh, it's eight to 10 episodes. We've got more budget for those episodes. We're going to make them like really well crafted. And I think it just really shows. Yeah, I think I think on the, I think the HBO, Showtime, those, those cable stations, they started they'll do a lot of their not their miniseries but their straight up series will be like 13 episodes and i think it's so that way they run it they can run it like once if they run four different episodes four different shows then that basically runs into 48 and then with holidays and whatnot that's like your 52 week year because there's no reruns yeah i think that's kind of why they said like there's that 13 episode and then usually those shows will run you know a really good show will run like what eight years right so you'll end up with like but yeah, the made for the network sitcoms, the the traditional US shows are 22, 24 episodes a year. Yeah. And they run those for and every now and then you get a you get a show that that's good at 240 episodes in. But yeah, yeah. It's not all of them. And it's not even no, no, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of like a lot of the really great British stuff tends to be just only about six episodes. I mean, I think partly that's that's budget things because UK is such a smaller market and everything as well. But they're really concise and you get these, you know, really, you know, you still each one's still like an hour long. So you've got, you know, two, three films shoved into the, that length of it so they can really explore character and stuff. But um, yeah, I quite like that sort of slightly shorter thing where it's 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 not dragging out. It's not any of the kind of fluff. It's like all 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 killer, no filler, all that sort of stuff. I love it. Yeah, we'll get a few of those shows over here, and 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 you know they'll and and then you start to realize. I think I looked into it, and I and I think from what I understand is a lot of times when they pitch shows over there, they pitch the beginning all the way to the end. So they say this mm-hmm. will run X long, and over here I think they just pitch the pilot. And then they said, if this goes over well, we're just going to start running episodes until it dies. Oh, interesting. Oh, that makes some sense. Yeah, because there's, I mean, there's certain, I remember watching Heroes, for example, when the first season felt like it was really well crafted and you, it knew exactly where it was going and there was this overarching story. And then after that, it just flailed. I don't, I don't know where it went. I mean, Lost did the same thing. Loads of these kind of, you know, they're really great to start off with. And then by the end, you're like, what, 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 is, what is going on? I, um, I had a lot of I mean, friends as well, but yeah, I had a lot of friends that watched lost. So I would hear about it, but I never got into it. I think I watched the first episode and I think I just didn't have back then, you know, we didn't have the DVRs and stuff. So it's like, well, I didn't have time on Thursday when it first started anyway. Yeah. And, and then I was like, I'm not going to catch up. And then I think my friends who watched it, they would talk about, they said, it's all of a sudden good again. And I think it was because they knew it, we're, okay we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up in two seasons so then they actually had something to write to before they were just yeah we'll just write whatever i think i think that's um yeah i the i mean i i loved um game of thrones as well i mean the last series was a bit of a disappointment but i, I loved that whole thing as well because there was 
it very much felt like there was this kind of overarching plan for what was what was going to happen and then they kind of was it George R. R. Martin is it I think um that sounds right he created yeah he, he created these characters and then kind of almost let them loose again it felt like a D thing where it's like you've got these characters they're in this world this happens so what does this character do whereas there's some other kind of shows you watch where it feels almost like people are sort of shoehorning characters in and it, people feel you know one-dimensional and all that kind of stuff I, I just love character driven stuff i think it's brilliant yeah and i think on game of thrones they had they had books up until like season five to go off of and then they just had you yeah. know the the guy telling them oh these are my notes for what i plan to write eventually and then it yeah. just started going downhill i i apologize for that. I can hear my children crying outside oh yeah two, <laughs> two young there is a three-year-old and there's uh, she's nearly two the other one um but apparently they're kicking off in my garden i've no idea why they're why they're sad but they are so you can hear my children crying they're not um they're not being abused they're just grumpy for some reason oh um, man my child's in the other room sad but it's because she can't go to school today because there's too much snow on the ground ah uh, okay yeah i can understand that so she she actually sad. wants to go to school i don't know why oh i i really enjoyed school when i was there yeah. Um, I, <laughs> tell you what, is it uh, is it worth taking a little break while I just quickly check if they're all right? Yeah, that's fine. We'll be right back with Owen Davey. This is the perils of working from home, isn't it? Now, now you're an illustrator. Do you work from home all the time or do you actually have an office? I used to have an office and then uh, we've got two kids. So in order to kind of be as helpful as I can be back at home, just an office made sense because there was just, especially when they were super young, being able to like just help out whenever, you know, if there was some kind of nappy emergency, I could head indoors quickly, help out and then um, come back out and work again. So uh, we we bought a house a, couple, um, about a year or a year or two ago and I we built like a garden shed essentially a fancy garden shed for me to sit in and, and do my work so I'm at home but I'm not at home so you know they can kick off and create loads of mess and do all that sort of stuff in the house and I'm I'm separated in my little um slightly more soundproof bubble I say slightly more soundproof because <laughs> when in the garden, you can still hear them <laughs> bawling outside but uh you know that's part of kids life isn't it so I think it's like over, over here in the States anyway, it's very common. Most of the illustrators I know just work out of their house, either a home office or out of their house. And, but most of the designers I know try to get an office. I think, I think often, well, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the designers I know usually work as part of a team, whereas illustrators usually uh, seem to work alone. So I think that that often is part of that. Yeah, I think it, I also think that it's kind of what's expected from a, you, you kind of do what you think clients expect of you. And, and since, and I don't <laughs> think clients ever, they just assume if you're an illustrator, you work in your basement somewhere hidden away. Yeah. I mean, it's a, I mean, it's a fair assessment, I guess. Um, I, I've enjoyed both. I, I quite like working from home because the flexibility of, of hours and things like that, but then working in studios, it's nice to be social and, and everything. I mean, at the moment, you know, there's no benefit to being a studio rather than at home anyway. So I'm quite lucky that it, we got this sorted but in time for uh, all the restrictions and stuff. So, Hey, I do have one other question I, I want to ask what, what um you've done, you've done a lot of work for a lot of big clients, you know, Google, Apple, so forth. What, what's the client that you're like holding out for? Like, do you have that dream one that you're like, not massively? No, I mean, it's weird. I, I, so my, 
my aim when I was growing up was that I wanted to illustrate some stuff. And then I got to uni and I was like, well, I want to do this for a living. So I want to be able to earn enough money to be able to be an illustrator. I mean, as a kid, I wanted to be, write and illustrate a children's book. And, and I did that within the first year of graduating. And then it oh, was wow. kind of like, oh, I, yeah, which was amazing. I mean, a lot of that was just by me, you know, tenaciously chasing publishers and stuff. Yeah. And then it was kind of like, well, let's get myself to a point where I can, you know, support myself with just this, just this as a job. And it's just be able to support myself and my family. And it and now it's just kind of like, ah, let's just do some fun stuff. <laughs> like I'm not necessarily like I'm, I'm ambitious in certain ways, but like it's more to do with just doing fun stuff. Like uh, I just like drawing. I, that's, I'm really basic. I'm a really simple human. I just like drawing stuff. So as long as I can keep doing that for hopefully the rest of my life, then that's my goal, I guess, which I guess is quite ambitious in some ways, but I don't know. Well, I think, I mean, I mean, I think you're well on the way to it. <laughs> you know, I mean, you've, you've made it this far. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I mean, you've 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 amassed enough clientele and enough of a portfolio and in a, in, a, in a style and so forth that if anyone looked at your work now, they would assume that well, of course, Owen's going to be illustrating for the next you know four thousand years or however long you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hope so. I mean, I, I I think I'm quite good at diversifying things. So uh, when I haven't got much kind of specific client based work on, then you know, I'll make sure I, I start doing stuff to do with my shop or I'll start booking in kind of talks and workshops and things like that usually uh, or trying to set up, you know, the next book I want to do and things like that. So there's usually something I can be doing, even if it's not specifically commercial work. I've, yeah, I'm going to do a gallery thing at the end of this year, which hopefully will open to the public, who knows. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, all that sort of stuff, I think, helps kind of with the longevity, hopefully. Well, we were talking to our last guest about how, you know, everything changes as well. Like I was saying, most of my work is website work. And I was saying over the the 20 some years I've been doing this, nothing is the same as when I started. Yeah. What, what, what have been the biggest changes that you've seen in the illustrative field over the last dozen years? Like, is, uh, is it like, sorry. No, I mean, is it, is it based on technology or is it based on what the client wants? Like, what are the big changes that you've seen? I, th- I think technology, I think I think social media is the big difference these days. So, I mean, Twitter was kind of new when I was leaving uni or it was new to me anyway. I, I think it was a couple of years after uni. One of my mates told me about it and I was like, oh, what's this? Um, and then Instagram, you know, that was a sort of step forward for me from, from Twitter. I think that's it's a much better platform for, for illustration because it's so visual. Um, and just the ability to be able to, you know, post something and several thousand people can see it immediately um it's so great for sort of self-promotion all that kind of stuff but it also brings weird things like uh, there's been a couple of i'm slightly uncomfortable with them but influencer based things coming through because i've got a certain number of followers on instagram uh there are certain companies come to me and say oh you know will you sell my product i'm like no they're like will you do an illustration for my product it's like yeah of course we do an illustration for my product and then talk about it on your instagram i'm like (laughs) yeah yeah okay but I always, um, I try to be as moral like, as I can be as, as a kind of professional kind of working illustrator and try and kind of make ethical kind of choices as much as I can. And things like, uh, so I always say to them, like, oh, I'm not going to lie, though. If, I'm not going to say something if I don't believe it. So I've had a few run-ins with things where, where they've said, 
you know, can you say this? I'm like, no, they don't like that part about that product. I'm not going to say that. I will say I like this part of this product because I do. So I'm probably not the best influencer. I don't think I'm built to be an influencer. I'm not saying that influencers are, you know, say things they don't believe in, but um, I'm not very good at like saying a script. So yeah, I, I don't think it's the world for me, but that's something that I've seen more and more things come in, you know, interest from uh, from clients. They seem to be interested in in your social media followings as well, which is quite bizarre, but I get it in the modern modern age. So. That is strange. I also noticed like a lot of your, your pieces you show have animation. Was that something you originally started to do or is that because people want to see that on social media and so forth? Uh, it's, it's, well, it's more that I sort of have started to do bits more of it because I find it really interesting. I think it's magical. I think animation's, you know, absolutely beautiful and a really fascinating art form that is, you know, especially 2D animation is not always kind of given the, the sort of kudos that it should because 3D stuff tends to take, you know, front and centre. Um, you know, you don't get many 2D animated kind of films these days or things like that. I mean, partly because it's so insanely labour intensive and I get that. But yeah, I, I, I do find kind of animation interesting. So I started doing more of it. And then it's the case of like, I think anything you project into the world, people reflect back at you. So when you start showing more, three, it's uh, when you start showing more animation stuff, people start wanting more animation stuff from you. So yeah, more of that kind of seems to come out the more of it I do, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I was just in, and, and like a lot of it just seems to be there. They're almost like animated gifts, but they're a lot better quality, obviously. Um, just, just well, very I, simple, like movements. I mean, that's partly because of my limitations as, as an animator in that I'm, I didn't study animation. I'm very much an illustrator. And so it is more just an image that moves a little bit. Um, but there is something I think that's quite joyous about just little simple kind of things. I, I keep wanting to draw, to animate a squirrel because I, I don't know if you ever watched a squirrel move. They do this kind of thing where they they stay perfectly still and they move really quick and they stay perfectly still and they move really quick. And I just love those like little jittery movements. And I think that'd be quite fun to animate. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm not built for like big flowing movements and you know, these, yeah, it's just, it's just not what I'm very good at. More than happy to collaborate with people that are very good at, at stuff like that. I mean, I I did, um, well, I didn't really have that much of a hand in it. The illustrations that I'd done were used for it, but some friends of mine who run an animation company called Persistent Peril did some, did like a show reel of my, uh, one of my books um, called Fanatical about frogs. And they took my illustrations and did like frame by frame like animations for it and it was so beautiful and I wouldn't have been able to do anywhere near as good a job at all and so I love kind of handing my stuff off to to people that I can trust and who will do a good job and who um you know bring their own flavor to it and yeah they absolutely nailed that so and where do you where do you see where do you see it going next do you have any predictions for like the next 10 years no idea absolutely no idea I'd like to do I'm currently trying to get back into doing some fiction books again because I've been doing non-fiction books for the last seven years, I guess, really. And my fiction books, which is actually what I started out doing, kind of fallen fallen by the wayside because non-fiction books take so long. Uh, but it'd be nice to be able to share some stories and stuff with my kids when they're too young for the non-fiction stuff I do. But other than that, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm just like doing simple stuff. I like as long as I can keep drawing, I'm happy. Okay. Well, hey, Owen, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. I guess I guess I have a laptop with a camera. I should just let me let me see if I can put my selfie on. 
Um, so I can see what I'm doing here. Take a minute. Oh, here we go. There's the button. All right, maybe I don't know if th that that's what that's. Oh what wow. Yeah, it was like I was like, oh, we have a window. We got like 12 inches of snow. There was there was like yeah, nice. Two days oh, so ago, jealous. I, we had grass. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was saying to you before, everyone in the UK has got snow apart from the south, which is where I am. So I'm pretty jealous of anyone with snow at the moment. Uh, yeah, I'd be keen to go out and enjoy some. Yeah, they cancelled school yesterday and they cancelled it today. So. Well, I hope your I hope your kid gets over it. This uh, she's is happy to go back to school again afterwards. She she's in second grade. Like she should. I mean, I get that it's fun, but you should also enjoy that. Hey, you know, it's it's like a one. It's only a couple yeah. days off of school, but it's also yeah. it's also un, it's unfair because kids nowadays they don't really. It's not really a snow day. They get their work sent to them via the computer. And, yes. and granted, they can get their work at this age. She can get her work done in an hour or so, but. Okay. But it's like it's like you don't really get a snow day. You still have to do something. I remember proper snow days. Yeah, when I was when I was a kid, just the whole thing of just we we had these um, like body boards that didn't have any like fins or anything on them, and they worked really well as sledges. So we just go up the local hill and just be up there all day. That was that was our snow day. It was great. Came back absolutely frozen, ate something warm, and went to bed. I was Jeez. done. <laughs> When I was a kid, we, I was, I lived in Grand Island, which is even it's, I'm on the edge of the state. So we were in the middle of the state and it's flat there. Like it's, they call it the great plains for a reason, you know? <laughs> and so the biggest hill we had was in 1980, we had um, seven tornadoes come through town. They wrote books and they made a movie about it and stuff. Whoa. And like Jimmy Carter was the president. He came to visit because it was that big of a deal. Wow. And then the city dug a hole through all of the trash into this giant hole, like, you know, the debris and stuff. Yeah. And then put the, put the dirt back on top of it and made a hill that, that was then called Tornado Hill. That might have been the okay. biggest hill in the town. It was like, you know, as a kid, you thought it was gigantic, but honestly, it's probably, <laughs> it was probably like 10 or 15 feet tall. Maybe it was 20 feet at the most. But as a kid, you thought this was the biggest thing you'd ever seen. So we actually had like, that was like the biggest hill in town you could sled yeah. on and it was just basically tornado trash. Amazing. <laughs> no, I think, yeah, I mean, I think snow is pretty magical. I mean, I remember, I think I was about 14 or something. My dad took me skiing because he used to go with, he was a teacher. He used to go with kind of a local school that he was sort of affiliated with. He worked there at one point. Um, and so he got us kind of cheap tickets to go and being able to go and ski on, so much snow in the, in the Alps in, in Austria, which is absolutely stunning, was just yeah such a highlight. So I mean, I've been I, I've you know I've been a few times over the years, and I would love to go skiing again soon. And every time I see snow, I get a little bit jealous and think, oh, that'd be really fun. Well, well, no one ever brought skis onto Tornado Hill. I'll tell you that. It's, right, it's okay. not it's not big <laughs> enough to ski on. Fair enough. <laughs> but we took a lot of sleds down it, so. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I, it's good. It's good fun. I'm hoping to take my kids out on on some snow at some point in their lives. They, they haven't seen any since they've been alive. So, um, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Owen, thank you very much, and hopefully, we'll talk again thank sometime. You. The Reflex Blue Show with Donovan Murray is hosted at 36point.com. Music by Dust Lab.